0: you know, we talk about enforcement and industry, but at the end of the day, these are just people in a community, right? Like the truck driver's brother might be a cop or, you know, my my dad might run a trucking company and I work for the state DOT. We're all part of a community here. And so I think, you know, you guys out there in the trucking industry, um, you know, we, we value that input. We need that input. We need to know what's going on out there on the roadways and how it's impacting and what changes would make your jobs easier and safer. It's not just about the enforcement perspective. We want to hear if you guys think Something's being done wrong or incorrectly or if there's a better way to do something. And, you know, the idea is that if we can bring together the players who have the knowledge and the information and the understanding about a particular scenario or situation, we're going to come up with the best solution. Welcome
1: back to another edition of Trucking with Pro Miles, featuring that cool cat right there, Tony Stroncheck. Tony, it's been a couple of weeks since we talked last. I'm guessing it's still winter time in Colorado.
2: It is. <laughs> it ain't going
1: away yet. Yeah. So truck enforcement—that's what we've been talking about. Uh, had a great um, part one interview with Miss Adrian Gilday of the CVSA truck enforcement uh as we've talked before um it's played a major role in your life uh professionally with pro miles hasn't it
2: it has and also personally steven um i don't know a lot of people may not realize but when i was 19 years old i got hit by a tow truck and that tow truck uh, was not legal to be in the state of texas uh if he Hmm. would have followed the rules and regs like he should I wouldn't have had to be in the hospital for six weeks. I wouldn't have had to have all these bones broken my body. I would have not lost my 240Z sports car that I fell in love with and bought. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, I didn't really care too much for enforcement. I was the guy back then when I was in my teens that I was speeding. I wasn't doing everything like I should be doing. And, and I always looked at enforcement as being just a pain. You know, why are they bothering me? Just leave me alone. Let me live my life. But do you want to be that enforcement guy? That has to go knock on the door to let you know that your wife was just killed. Do you want to be that guy? No, you don't. You know somebody's got to do that, but more importantly, somebody's got to stop that from happening. And that's where CVSA is done. I mean, their group of thirteen thousand plus people to try to keep commercial trucks safe is to really save all of our lives. We all take these routes, we all drive these roads, so it's not just trucks; it's cars. But we need to make sure those bigger pieces of equipment that weigh so much are safe, that they know what they can and cannot do. You know, there's too many actions. Like I was mentioning before here in Colorado, you know, it's in the wintertime. It's bad enough when you're going uphill, you're going downhill. and Now you got weather coming in. Well, there's times, buddy, that you could smell and you could smell that brake, And you know, what's that smell? You know, somebody's around you. Normally it's a truck, a great big 18-wheeler that's overheated their brakes. Once you smell that, you better get the heck out of the way because somebody can't stop. And this enforcement community is there to protect us, to make things safe. They're not to be a pain. So we need to embrace it. We need to help them, you know, by respecting the enforcement community. It, respect them if they pull you over. Okay. Respect them because they're, again, trying to save somebody's life. That's what's important.
1: Yeah. Going back to your tow truck story about them being illegal, basically. We talked with Adrian. As, as you know, about the good apples and the bad apples. We talked about their mission statement, which we all on both sides of the industry should agree and coalesce uh, behind. But isn't it really true? And and we try to do this with our software too. And that is make life as simple and efficient and profitable as possible for the trucking industry that's doing things the right way, right? The 90, 95, mm-hmm. 99%. But the challenge, as I see it, is between vendors like us, the trucking industry, and the law enforcement agency is making those folks' lives as easy as possible, but nailing the towel out of those few bad apples. Yeah. What's, what's your philosophy there? How do we try to do that?
2: Well, I think the more we're going to listen, with, uh, talk to her, that we're going to understand you know, the changes and things they're doing is trying to identify the truck. What is this truck? You know, I know you're with ABC Trucking Company. What's more important, is this Unit 10, or is this Unit 100? Because if Unit 10 gets stopped all the time, you know, and always has these issues, well, guess what? <laughs> I'm gonna stop Unit 10 again. Because if his brakes are always having problems over the last year, more than likely he's having problems with his brakes still. He never fixes it. So it gives them the chance to really point out and focus on the true people that need to be addressed. And honestly, they're not out there just to find you. They're out there to educate you, to teach you what's wrong. We're not experts. You know, none of us are. And these truck drivers, they can drive a truck, but there's certain things about that truck they don't know how to deal with. They're not the guys that repair it all the time, you know? And so it's education and it's educating both sides. They're not out to say, hey, I got a quota. I got to make this many tickets. And that's what we grew up thinking. Oh, that cop's pulling me over, give me a ticket because he's going to make more money. No. No. Their job on the commercial side is safety. Number one is safety. They want to lessen accidents, lessen death, mm-hmm. and lessen any kind of you know thing that's going to happen to somebody that's going to put you out of put you out of control, out of out of work. You know, you're going to lose everything you've got all because of an accident that could been that, you know not happen if you would have done yeah. certain things like you should have.
1: That idiot tow truck company that that you referred to. Mm-hmm. How do we thread the needle, Tony? In other words. How do we go about getting folks like that off the road so they don't maim and mangle people, good people like you and your body, but at the same time, not create new policies that are going to make life hell for all those other tow truck companies out there that are doing things the right way. That's the challenge.
2: It is. And that's what CVSA has, has been challenged with all these years. But let me tell you, if you won't, To take your wife and your kids to Disney World. So you're going to travel a couple of states over to go do this. The number one concern that always is in my mind is, what route do I take? And how do I make sure I'm more defensive than anything? Because there's a lot of people out there that's not going to be focused driving. You know, cars, trucks, everybody. You've got to have this. You've got to have an enforcement that cares. And to be honest with you, They need a better way to pick out the right people to go after. The problem today, they don't have a way to do this. They got to stop. The six cars go by, six trucks go by. You know, they got to pick one just by a gut call. Which one should I pull over? If they knew the culprits more than the non-culprits, that's where they focus. Then you can get them off the road. But if you have 13,000 enforcement officers, but you got millions of trucks, how? Do the math. How many trucks would each enforcement officer have to pull over to hit a quota to get them all? The number of inspections is very small. That's what the bad part is. They need a faster way to inspect, a faster way to identify what truck is that in your fleet. Because you may have 100 drivers, 100 owner-operators, and you got two of them that aren't that great. The other 98 are amazing. They're the ones being compromised. They're the ones getting pulled over for no reason When really, it's those other two guys. So what do you do? You need to look within your fleet, find those two guys, and get rid of them. Why? Because it's going to slow down the other 98. That's the key, Stephen. You've got to be able to pinpoint the right people. I don't want everybody being pulled over just to be checked. But I do believe if somebody's had problems in the past, more than likely, they may need a little help in the future. And that's all CVSA is doing, is trying to help.
1: Well, speaking of enforcement, I got you and I's boss, Miss Megan, I think in my ear saying, "Let's get to the real expert here, Miss Adrian Gilday, for part 2 of our podcast on the CVSA and its interaction with the trucking industry. Let's have a listen, Tony." Adrian, uh, your leadership has always been superior, at least as far as I'm concerned, uh, uh, the, the, the quality of folks uh, that you move through your ladder, so to speak, and such. Um, most uh, currently, uh, I think a good friend and associate of all of ours, Chris Nordlow, uh, jumping into your presence presidency, talk, talk to us a little bit about your leadership.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I obviously agree. We've got great leadership. Uh, we work for great people here. Um, yeah, Chris Nordlow, Major Chris Nordlow from Texas took over as CVSA president on October 1st. We have uh, a succession type thing. So you get elected as secretary, you serve as vice president for a year, you serve as president for a year, and then you serve three years as a past president on the board to provide, you know, perspective and historical knowledge and all of that sort of thing. The The dad jokes are important as well. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Chris is one of the, the rare folks who served um, uh, four years uh, as CBSA executive leadership, because of the uh, when the COVID pandemic first hit, we extended the current president, vice president, and secretary's term by one year, and so he's serving an extra year now. Um, but he's finally in the role of president. We're very excited. I know he's focusing very heavily on the training implementation. That's been a big priority for him in Texas for a long time, and so he'll be focusing on that and building community and building um, the the um, enforcement communities uh, focus on priorities, and um, so we're, we're really excited to have him. We're going to be in uh, Grapevine, Texas in September for his annual conference. I know he's very excited about that as well to kind of showcase Texas and, and the work that they do down there, and we're, we're really excited. It's a lot of work, and it's... Um, you know, the, the CVSA president role is not one that is um, just kind of like a figurehead. We, we put them to work. They go to conferences and represent the organization. Um, they testify on Capitol Hill for us when that's appropriate and necessary. They um, ha- are responsible for guiding and shepherding the organization for, you know, their year as president. And they all take it very seriously. And so to your point, we, we get really lucky because we get folks who are passionate and invested and, um, and, and really dedicated to the mission of the organization. And a, they're a great resource for us throughout the year.
2: For those folks that don't know Chris, uh, tell us a little bit more about him personally. I mean, what kind of a guy is he? What, What kind of a person is he?
0: Oh, Chris is a great guy he's um, I'm a southerner okay so I I love uh, southerners and my dad's a Texan and Chris is a Texan through and through he is um, a very passionate caring man he cares very much about his program and the work that he and his his team do down there in Texas to improve roadway safety uh, he takes it very seriously um, but he's also quite a lot of fun he's a funny guy and um, you know he loves good food and good wine and he loves going hunting uh, he likes to take his daughter hunting he's really cute dad he's very proud of his daughter and it's very sweet and he's just it's a lot of fun
2: well that's good because you know when you get somebody in that position you know they can't just be a suit and tie type person they got to be a human being and Mm -hmm. to find those kind of folks and folks that want to go 110 percent you know they're they're not there just like you said as a figurehead. they're there to make a difference and uh, so we're pretty we're really excited as well that he's uh he's gotten to that position and the changes and stuff that i know he'll be able to make
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that what you'll find is, uh, in, and I'm sure this is true for a lot of organizations, I just know it's true for ours, is that the folks who run for CVSA Secretary do it because they have a mission and they have a goal, they have a priority that's really important to them, and they see the opportunity to, to move the needle on that um, and to drive this organization in the direction that they think is important. And so that's, you know, they step up and they take on the time commitment and the responsibility of chairing our board meetings and all the work that goes in with that and all the additional reading and... And, you know, it's, it's a hardworking group and they, they take it very seriously.
2: Can you tell me one thing? Give me, give, can you give me, I'm sorry, Stephen, can you do this for me? Can you give me a time that you've been at CVSA that was the most fun, most exciting, uh, some really crazy happened? What would that be?
0: I'm not telling any stories I'm not supposed to tell, but um, (laughs) I will tell you, I think my favorite thing at CVSA is our uh, North American inspectors championship, our inspectors uh, challenge every year. Um, When I first joined CVSA many years ago now, uh, my very second week was in August and I went down to Orlando for NAIC and saw the inspectors championship and to see all these these inspectors who care so much about what they're doing and take such pride in the work that they do get together and participate in this challenge. And they're so nervous and so excited. And um, I think that is the best thing that we do. And so anytime I get a chance to go to NACE and hang out with the inspectors and see them compete and, and see the work that they do and watch them strive to improve themselves and to take that information and that training back to their colleagues to help them improve as well, I think is one of one of the coolest things that we do. And I, I love going to NACE and one year, one year- back when Carrie was running the program as the vehicle chair and the NACE person, she let me uh, be on the reset team. And I got to go uh, re break the trucks and standardize the trucks for each inspector that went through the the inspection process. And that was a lot of fun.
1: Cool. I'm asked often, Adrian, about uh, former President Jay Thompson of Arkansas, also former chair of my former size and weight committee. To the extent that you can, he's, he's so well-loved and thought of, um, on, in your industry in our industry to the extent you can uh, share with us an update on Jay and his health situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I got to say, when I first started at CVSa, I was staffed to the size and weight committee when Jay That's was right. chair, and so yep. uh, me and Jay go way back, and he's he's one of my my favorite parts of this organization, and he's doing really well. He actually uh, he and his wife joined us at NAIC last summer um, for for the inspectors championship because it's near and dear to his heart as well, and um, so he, he came he came down to Nace and hung out with the inspectors and hung out with the team and got to see everybody, and he's doing really well. He's retired from the Arkansas Highway Police now, and uh, spending time with his family, but he is, he's doing great. He's, he's the same old Jay.
1: Let's talk uh, size and weight committee. Um, uh, I formerly served on it, participated in it. Uh, Dan Wells, uh, I think chaired it for you, uh, for a, a brief time. What's going on with your size and weight committee? Who are they? What are they? And what do, what do they interest themselves in?
0: Well, I mean, they are the folks who are paying attention to the size and weight enforcement and compliance part of what we all do with the roads. I mean, it's incredibly important that the infrastructure that these vehicles travel over are, is is taken care of and maintained and treated properly so that the roads stay safe for people to drive on, right? And we know that the, the, the weight of a vehicle uh, is critically important and has an impact, particularly on bridges and things like that. And so what the Size and Weight Committee has been focusing on is um, – Most recently, they've been focusing on developments in size and weight compliance technology, portable scales and things like that. They've been getting demos on new technology in that arena. And then the other initiative that they work on quite regularly is um, the permitting and standardization with the folks over at Ashto and making sure that to the extent that it's possible, there is harmonization and all of the permitting and escorting and that sort of stuff. You know, we are um, uh, 50 states and... And, you know, it's pretty diverse. And um, so making sure that to the extent possible, we can um, harmonize between those requirements so motor carriers don't have to stop at each state line and switch this flag for that flag and call a car and let a car go and that sort of thing. So they've worked pretty hard on that, trying to standardize it where possible. And then the other thing that they've been focused on most recently is the new CVSA emergency declaration site. Um mm. And uh, yeah, so it, it it was a product kind of of the COVID situation when all these emergency waivers were being issued from for everything and they were all being declared. And I mean, it's obviously been an issue ongoing, um, kind of trying to standardize and, and put all of the emergency declarations in one place so that folks know when when, and what regs are waived where and under what circumstances. And so we, um, in collaboration with the, the, the federal government folks um, and the states, have set up our emergency declarations website. And uh, the way it works is we, we host it and all of the jurisdictions have somebody designated who's responsible for uploading their declarations and waivers and things like that when they go into effect. And, um, you know, we, we monitor it too, and we, we, we upload any that are missing, but essentially, you know, it's a, it's a one-stop shop to go to, to see what the the various regulations are waived under what scenarios and things like that. And so we've been doing a lot of work on, on that side with the size and weight. Is is there
2: a web, is there a website that uh, you can give people for them to go to see this? Is it up yet?
0: Yeah, it's absolutely it's operational. It is on CVSA's uh, site. If you go to um, cvsa.org and go to our inspections tab, there is a little drop down, and one of them is our emergency declarations portal, and it takes you there. And it's it's really cool. I mean, even just for fun, like you can you can pull up uh, which emergency declaration, like you just want to see where hours of service are waived. You can search for hours of service. If you just want to see which what's waived in Kentucky today, you can just click on Kentucky and zoom in. We've got them archived so that if your inspector trying to verify something that happened three weeks ago you can go pull up them the emergency declarations that were active three weeks ago so it's incredibly interactive and and you know I, I think it's really well done I had nothing to do with it um, but <laughs> i I think it's really cool and I like poking around in it and I, I know that the feedback we're receiving from folks out there on the roadway is that it's 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 what being well used and it's a useful tool
1: pro miles from time to time Adrian is asked by FHWA and consultants to subconsult. and it just so happens we're subconsulting right now with FHWA and Jeff Purdy on uh, this very topic, making the movement of CMVs both legal and oversized more efficient during times of responding to emergencies and natural disasters. And in our group, uh, CVSA has gotten high praise for you folks taking on that task of posting. Uh, those waivers and such to have that one-stop shop for everybody carriers and otherwise to go to the one constructive request or opportunity I've heard Adrian if you could comment on it is your staff like everybody's staff is 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 what it is and the potential perhaps for those waivers during the nitty-gritty of the first 24 48 hours being updated in an extremely timely manner That takes resources, doesn't it?
0: It absolutely does. And it's one of the reasons why we have... um asked that the state be responsible for uploading their own waivers rather than emailing them to us. And, um, you know, Jake Alberto who's on our staff right now is the one who's handling that project for us rather than hoping that Jake sees the email and gets it up there, you know, as quickly as possible. Um, we, we ask that the states do it because the states know about it, right? You know, what's being waived in your jurisdiction. Somebody is responsible for it. And so the person in, in each jurisdiction that's responsible for maintaining it, they are responsible for logging into the portal, and making sure that it's uploaded and as a safety, backup, just kind of as a catch-all, FMCSA and uh, the other agencies coordinate with us and communicate to us any of the waivers that they receive as well. They forward them on to us when they receive them. And so we're part of that communication chain there as well. And so between those two, and we are watching them and we we know when there's an emergency happening, right? We know if there's a hurricane hitting the coast or a weather event in the Midwest or the Northeast. And so the the folks here on staff and in the jurisdictions know to keep an eye out and watch for it. So our, our hope and our plan is that that will work well, but we we are obviously open to, um, feedback and recommendations. And if we find that that mechanism isn't working, we'll find another way to get it done.
2: I got a question. Do you, do you, does your system have capability to, um, uh, you know, let's say I'm a carrier and I travel New England States and there's a declaration issued. Is there somewhere I can go to and put my cell phone number or my email in and any of these declarations that get posted automatically get sent to me, uh, by email or text to let me know that there's a new, uh a change out there? Have y'all went that for you?
0: Yep. The portal you can subscribe to what you want to receive. And I think one of the advancements we're working on right now is um we're, we're trying to deploy push notifications so that if you subscribe to, if you have our app and you subscribe to the push notifications, then if you are driving through Mississippi and um, there are waivers active in Mississippi, you'll get a push notification for the active waivers in Mississippi. So yes, proactively now you can basically subscribe and get them pushed to you electronically, but we are working on having it kind of geographically zoned so that when you're driving and you move into a new area, you get notified of the waivers in your your area.
2: That is really cool.
0: It is.
1: As we close out here, Adrian, I'd be remiss to not touch on uh, permitting, which you brought up earlier with size and weight because of ProMiles footprint in in that particular world. And My question is this, with more and more states going to automated permitting, as an FHWA study uh, shared previously, it's a win-win for everybody. More carriers are more likely to properly get permitted because they can do so in a timely uh, manner. It's better for our infrastructure. It's better for safety, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, when more people are, are uh, getting permitting. But I think you touched on something earlier. What your agency, your size and weight committee in particular, would like to see is, is well, I'll let you, I'll let you articulate it. A little bit more uniformity in terms of how the permits are read or the policies. What did you mean by that?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it's more um, you know, all of the the parameters around the permitting. So, you know, XYZ loads need an escort in um one state but don't in another, that sort of thing. Um, the types of flags and the 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 labeling requirements and and um you know restrictive hours and things like that, you know, it's very difficult for a motor carrier who's trying to move an oversized load safely in a compliance to get from point A to point B if the the states along that route don't line up right because they get to the state line and now they need an escort they didn't need one in you know the first state but now they get to the state line and they do need an escort so they've got to coordinate making sure that the escort gets there and gets there on time and at the same time as them getting to the state line and then they've got that escort for one or two states and then they get to the next state and you know that load's not allowed to move that day because it's football Sunday and no loads are allowed to move that day because of these reasons, like whatever it is, whatever the restrictions are, well, now they got to sit or they've got to reroute and go, you know, instead of just being able to go like this, they have to go like this to get where they're going. You know, is cumbersome, and you know, to the extent that we are able to, you know, part of the goal is to help the goods move across our our infrastructure swiftly and efficiently, as well as safely. I mean, safety is the number one priority, but we also, you know, don't want to impede commerce because we recognize the critical role it plays in our day to day lives, right? And so, to the extent that, and it's you know, it's a real challenge, and it's something that the size and weight committee has been working on since before I even joined the organization, and I sat through so many discussions. Is that The real challenge is that even if your representatives along the I-10 corridor, right, everybody along I-10 at CVSA agrees that, you know, this type of load requires an escort and this type of load shouldn't, If, if we get everybody at CVSA in agreement on that, those guys aren't necessarily the ones who get to change the policy, right? It's in a different shop in a lot of the states. And so even if you can get all of our guys in agreement, and that's no no small feat, but if you can get everybody in that room in agreement, you still got to take, each of those people still have to leave that room and go to their jurisdiction and talk to either another department within their agency or even another agency within their jurisdiction and try and convince them to make those changes. And so it's, it's one of those things where we might have a recommendation or a solution that we think is effective, but we don't have the authority to make the change. And so I think that's been the biggest struggle to getting some of those implemented. It's one of the reasons we partnered with Ashto on it is because a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, the DOT is the organization that would need to make those changes because they have the jurisdiction over the infrastructure. Um, So that's why we partner with Ashto. But that's the biggest challenge I see is that the folks in the room at CVSA don't actually have the authority to make the changes, even if they could all agree that the change is appropriate.
1: Tony, many of these points she's making on oversized permitting and lack of harmonization sound familiar to you and Tim?
2: It sure does. Stephen's been screaming this for years. and uh, But it needs to happen. It, it needs to get, you know, we're trying to make things safe, but we also have to make it easy on these carriers. Now, one question I do have for you, Adrian, um, the certification you're talking about that's coming up here in Texas, uh, is there a place that folks need to go to to sign up for that to be part of it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Again, CVSA.org. We've got a little button for training right there on the homepage. You go there and it lists all the upcoming training courses we have for both industry and enforcement. There's a lot of good stuff there. Um, And then you just scroll down to the enhanced uh, inspection course going on in Grapevine in February. And if you're interested in attending the course, you sign up there. Cool. And it's just the first. There will be more. And the training page on our website is the place to find those courses.
2: How long is the training? Is it hours, days?
0: It's days. It's a week-long course. It's classroom. And then there's a practical at the end where you actually put your hands on the truck and inspect it to make sure that everything that you got taught that week sunk in and stayed with you. And then you got to take a test and you got to pass it.
2: That's good. That's good. I think that's, that's the piece I think that we've been missing for a long time. I also think the training you talked about at the beginning, getting the funding there to go out and really educate those 13,000 people. I'm very impressed. Because trying to connect all these state by state, because one state believes one thing, the next state believes something different. To get them all on the same page is very difficult as it is. I uh, I would not want y'all's job. I know this would this is a very hard job to do. Get to. I know it could be fun, but uh, it's cumbersome. I mean, we work with different states, and trying to get state A to agree with state B is not always easy. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we I mean, it's absolutely going to be a challenge. Um, but you know, it is. The North American Standard Inspection Program is CVSA's program. It is the core of who we are and what we do. And so being able to assume responsibility for training the inspectors on the program um, is uh, is something we have been working towards for, for a pretty long time now. And we're excited to get started. It's obviously going to be a lot of a big lift getting up, but we're staffing up and we've got the right people and we've got the support from the states and from the federal agencies. And so um, we are... Uh, uh looking forward to getting it done and, and putting them in a program that improves roadway safety all around.
2: How did you do this before? I mean, you didn't have the money before, so you couldn't have done it. So how did you educate all these 13,000 people? You can't go bring them all into one room and say, let's sit down and get educated. So how did you do
0: it? Well, so- The training was delivered from FMCSA directly prior to this change and how it was moving. So the National Training Center um, would send out instructors to the states to deliver the certification training. Um, Going forward, we will coordinate all of that and update the materials directly. And then we've got a lot of mechanisms for keeping the inspector community up to date. We have our inspection bulletins, which is, you know, if something changes or there's a new vehicle component or there's something new out on the roadway or anything like that, we put out an inspection bulletin that says, hey, if you see this, this is what you do or Hey, you know this is how you use the drug and alcohol clearinghouse. Whatever it is, we push that out to the jurisdictions and then the lead agency contacts sends it out to each of their, you know, division uh division chiefs and that they give it to their inspectors and it goes on down the chain. Um, and then we've got training videos on our website. We've got little sort snippets, which are pretty fun where, you know, inspectors out there, if they're inspecting a truck and they find um, a certain component broken, they'll film it and they'll go, hey, this is a, a Adrian, I'm out here inspecting this truck and look, I found this broken vehicle component and this is how you know it's out of service or not out of service. And that's me, have a good day. And we, you know, edit those up, we've got a great um, multimedia team and we, we put those out and those are one of Jay's passion projects, by the way, Stephen, was putting out these mm-hmm. quick snippet trainings for the roadside inspector guy, because it's not six hours in a classroom or one mm-hmm. hour on a, on a test or anything like that. It's quick little pieces of information that we can use to troubleshoot spots where we're seeing that the inspectors are missing something or not getting something exactly right. And so we can troubleshoot it with these inspection bulletins and these training snippets. And so that's what we've been doing. This This new piece of it is us getting the core certification training under our umbrella as well so that we can control um and deliver the initial training that these inspectors get um ourselves and 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 have that baseline be something that we set and that we'll continue to supplement with our training videos and our snippets and our inspection bulletins and things like that.
2: Technology is amazing, ain't it? There's no way 32 years ago when I started in this that you guys could do this. None. No. Nope. I mean it was so difficult. I mean you couldn't even back then it was a pain to even fax somebody something at a truck stop and sometimes they're out of paper. Sometimes the fax line got corrupted mm. and you didn't get across. So I, I, I knew how difficult it was on you guys before. I'm not saying that it's got that much easier, but I will say it's gotten more complex and it's, come, it's becoming more uh, obvious to everybody that if you want safety, it's education. And without the education, you're not going to have the safety. I mean, I like your little scenario about the guy saying, hey, look, this is what it looks like if something's broke here. You know, you're yep. not going to know because you're not a guy that works on a truck. So, I mean, the education piece here is amazing. And I think the industry should not only you know appreciate this, but they should embrace it and learn on their own, take their own courses, let, let them learn what the rules and regs are, because you have to have both the industry and the, and the uh, government both to be on the same page. And uh, it's a challenge. New people come on board driving trucks today. That's never done it. People would drive trucks for a year, go get a different job for two years during COVID and they're right back in it again. And a lot of things have changed. And uh, again, education is the key and technology is what brings that education now so much easier than what it was before.
0: Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And that's actually one of the things that we've heard from our industry members from a long time was that they would have, they had an interest in the same kind of training that we were providing to the inspector community on their end, right? And so um, if you go to that training site on our website, you'll see that we have training for enforcement and industry on there. Um, Carrie Wierkowski on our staff uh, took the um, the Part A and the Part B, so the driver uh, certification training and the vehicle certification training that we deliver to inspectors, mm-hmm. and um, she converted it for industry. So she she and we now deliver that to industry. Folks can come to one of our industry training courses and basically receive the same training that the inspectors get, just you know slightly tweaked from the delivery, basically. But so they know what the inspectors are being certified and trained to look at and how they're being certified to train to look at it so that they can go back and talk to their safety managers and their, uh, you know, their mechanics and their drivers and whomever else and deliver that same information so they can, everybody's on the same page with what to expect and how to, how to, how to maintain it and how to uh, raise that level of safety. And so um, we have those roadside courses and we also have um, a real uh, a big portfolio of hazmat courses as well that we deliver um, with support from the pipeline and hazardous uh, material safety administration, FEMSA. We have uh, hazardous materials instructor training um, where we train hazmat personnel in the industry on how to then train their hazmat employees on how to deal with hazardous materials in the trucking space. And so um, we agree wholeheartedly. We think education and outreach and training and everybody understanding the regulations and what to do will improve the level of safety because everybody can do their jobs and do them well.
2: Do you ever get to sleep?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, so not quite as much as I'd like. But we got a good team here. We got a good staff. Everybody works really hard, and so it—you uh you know—it's—it's like I yeah, I sleep sometimes.
1: Well, I just Adrian, Adrian is the you. energizer. She's yeah, she's the energizer bunny at CVSA meetings. Both industry and uh, uh, certainly her members uh, uh, see her coming. It's seemingly there's like three of three Adrians at every CVSA <laughs> conference. She's everywhere.
0: I walk very uh, fast.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Adrian, I want to, I want to close out our wonderful conversation with you on a very serious and sober, um, issue, but a very necessary issue. And that is shining the, the light on what I call <laughs> human cockroaches, um, yeah. human trafficking, sex trafficking, <clears throat> minors. It's a subject, um, of great interest to me particularly to my wife, Denise, and also now to ProMiles and certainly to you folks at CVSA. Tell us about your new initiative and then I want to ask a quick follow-up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, recognizing the... Access and the overlap between the trucking and enforcement community, and unfortunately, the the, the network that is used to traffic human beings um, on the roadways. We saw an opportunity to leverage um, the driver community and the inspector community to help shine that light, like you spoke on on this terrible issue, and raise uh, the awareness and education. And so we have our human trafficking um, uh, prevention initiative and human trafficking awareness initiative. And essentially, what we do is in coordination with uh, each individual country, we. Sp- spend a week focusing on this issue. Um, We send advanced information out to the jurisdictions. We send out data collection forms to the jurisdiction. We send out informational um, cards and things like that. We partner with Truckers Against Trafficking to get their materials. And basically, we just try and kind of, like you said, shine a light on this, raise its profile, make sure folks understand what what human trafficking looks like and what to do when you think you see it, because it is happening out there on the roadways and in truck stops. And um, it's unfortunate, but if we, if we better equip the the vast majority of the community out there who are good, kind, caring people and tell them what to look for and how to handle it when they come across it, we are going to help save lives and rescue people from this horrible situation. And so um, here in the United States, human trafficking awareness day is January 11th. So this week is our human trafficking awareness initiative here in the United States It started on the 9th We'll run through the 13th. In um, Canada, Human Trafficking Awareness Day is February 22nd, so our initiative there in Canada will run from the 20th through the 24th. And um, in Mexico, it'll run the 13th through the 17th. And so um, what I find really kind of exciting and and positive about that is that this, because the countries um, have different days, we're actually able to focus on this not for just one week, but for three months, we're going to focus on this initiative throughout the country because we'll be talking about it. You guys will be talking about it. Our members will be talking about it. It. And so, for January, February, and March, the commercial motor vehicle enforcement and trucking community and and will be looking at this issue and talking about it and hopefully um, raising some awareness and, and saving some lives.
1: Adrian and Tony, every time I see a video <clears throat> that Truckers Against put out or similar groups where a truck driver, in collaboration with with your law enforcement members, Adrian, uh, puts one of these cockroaches behind bars, particularly with the underage. Uh, girls, which, you know, just tears all of our hearts out. I feel good uh, for a moment, but then I think Adrian and Tony about how many others are we missing out there uh, at truck yeah. stops and such. It's 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 a sickening situation.
2: Well, Stephen, one thing you got to look at, you know, truckers travel. They go place to place. They've got time. If the more that we can educate the trucker what to look for, what signs there are, also, I think it's, you know, working directly with all those truck stop chains, Pilot, Flying J, Loves, TA, Petro, you know, Ambest, all of them. The more that you can educate their people of what's going on, and what they should look for, then your daughter, our daughter, anybody else's daughter or son, uh, wife, husband, it could be anybody that ha- this happens to, uh, are better protected. And right now, it's, it takes a lot more than CVSA's ability or enforcement's ability to manage this. It needs the it needs the public. The public needs to step in and say, hey, I saw something I didn't think was good. Don't just drop it, and move on, and live your life. Make a phone call. You know, call 911. Say, hey, I see some suspicious. And by the way, this is the truck. This is the name of the the trucking company. This is the license plate on the back. The guy left about an hour ago, but he drug a girl into the, you know, into his truck with him by the hair. Now I don't know. It could have been his wife, his daughter. It could be somebody that has nothing to do with the guy. But I think it's that, it's the awareness we need as the, um, you know, the consumer, the, the public, it's, up, it's our responsibility to keep people safe, not just enforcement. It's up to us to say something. If we don't say something, I'm not saying we're as bad as the cockroach, but pretty damn close.
0: Yeah, and I think that that one of the reasons uh, our our campaign focuses uh, on on the trucking community and the general public around it is, you know, not only are we trying to help them understand what human trafficking looks like, because it's not always that blatant, right? It's not always that obvious, but there are indicators. And so teaching people what to watch for and what to see. And then what to do when you see it because obviously you know it's, it's going to be a dangerous situation and people may not know how to respond or what the appropriate way is and they don't want to make things worse or make assumptions or whatever and so you know equipping the motor carrier community the enforcement community and the general public with not only what it looks like but what to do and what resources mm-hmm. are available when you do see something suspicious is is empowering people to act and giving them the knowledge and the information they need to make a change and make make, make a difference so that they don't just sit there and go it looks screwy, but I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So now, okay, well, here's what you do when you see it. And giving them actionable things empowers people and makes them feel more confident to act.
2: How many, do you have any idea how bad this is? I'm sorry, Steve.
0: I, I don't have numbers in front of me on here. I I mean, I know it is a, a, a tremendous crime and, and the, you know, honestly one person is too many, but I know it is a pretty big problem. I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me here today.
1: I always like to mention this on this topic and then we'll close out. Besides using our eyeballs to observe truck stops and truck drivers and and, and such and doing the right thing, which Adrian said, I'm often told that for simple words, if you come across a situation where you might see a young girl that might look out a little out of place and it's just the simple words, hi, how are you? And then read some body language initially, kind of take it all in and just see if you see or sense anything uh, out of the ordinary. Well, Adrian, I'd like to close out by asking you to um, help me and us do what I've tried to do for so many years, and that is help me make a pitch to the trucking industry, which is predominantly our audience here, of course, to take an interest and show up uh, to some CVSA meetings.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that opportunity, Stephen. Yeah, I mean, I think... We, like we started at the beginning of this discussion, CDSA is, um, we serve as a forum to bring together all the parties in the motor carrier industry to talk about the issues facing the industry and figure out solutions that work. We are highly collaborative. We are comprised of the, the jurisdictions in US, Mexico, and Canada at the state, provincial, territorial, local level, um, as well as the motor carrier industry, and not just the motor carriers themselves, but everybody. Around that, And, you know, the idea is that if we can bring together the players who have the knowledge and the information and the understanding about a particular scenario or situation, we're going to come up with the best solutions. And so I would just say that, you know, you guys out there in the trucking industry, um, you know, we, we value that input. We need that input. We need to know what's going on out there on the roadways and how it's impacting and what changes would make your jobs easier and safer. It's not just about the enforcement perspective. We want to hear if you guys think that something's being done wrong or incorrectly or if there's a better way to do something we're constantly looking for ways to improve our program and our process and at the end of the day you know, we talk about enforcement and industry, but at the end of the day, these are just people in a community, right? Like the truck driver's brother might be a cop or, you know, my my dad might run a trucking company and I work for the state DOT. We're all part of a community here. And so I think bringing folks together in a collaborative environment to come up with solutions to our roadway challenges is incredibly impactful. And um, we, we value the input from members and non-members alike. If you have a thought, and if you can't come to a conference, that's okay. Reach out, get engaged, sign up to get our emails and send emails to staff and join webinars and, and you know, let us know what's going out there and how we can do better.
2: And you want to hear not only from the fleets, but you also want to hear from uh, the individual drivers, right? The little, the little we guys. want
0: to hear from anybody. Absolutely. I mean, I think that everybody's experience out there can be a little bit different. And so we need as many voices at the table as possible to come up with a solution that's going to benefit the entire collective and not just, you know, the two people who sat at the table.
1: What's so cool, Tony, about CVSA to close out is these words Adrian are speaking are not just marketing words they throw in their advertising to try to get more people to pay to come to their conferences. They literally seat industry on their committees with law enforcement and we're sitting side by side with law enforcement and, and actually interacting with them and, and part of the agenda. And I, I find that so incredibly cool. But Tony, you're, you're closing thoughts and comments about our discussion today.
2: Well, number one, hopefully you can get some more sleep um, because having a three-year-old and six-year-old—that's that's a lot. Um, but I will tell you that, you know, me personally, and from Pro Mile standpoint, this world would not be what it is today in the in this country if it wasn't for you guys. Uh, enforcement isn't just a bunch of guys out there wanting to, you know, cause you a lot of havoc and you know, cause you a lot of your time. It's it's safety. I mean, we're, we we care about people and CVSa um i think in my opinion is that's their job you're you're not there to slow things down you want to speed them up but you also want to make it safe and i just want to personally thank you because i drive those roads every day you know and i'm not in a big truck i appreciate the things that you guys do and i'm sure there's a lot of people out there do as well and i wish you guys a lot of luck and anything we can do to help promote this for you to help better educate the industry just let us know and we're there
0: well, thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words, and I, I agree. we uh, we just want we want everybody to get home as safely as possible every day and we can all do a little bit better
1: and help help us keep an eye on Danny Wells. Uh, make sure he stays at his CVSA booth this year.
0: I will do my best.
1: All right. Thank you, Adrian Gilday, Deputy Executive Director of CVSA. It's been our pleasure.
0: Definitely. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Peace out.